Welcome back to the Monthly Alts Pulse. I'm Michael Sigmore, co-founder and partner of Broadhaven Ventures and the founder of the Alco's Mainstream Podcast. I'm here with Lawrence Calcano, chairman and CEO of iCapital. Hey, Michael. How are you? Welcome back to the hot seat. Thank you. Uh, we've had quite the year in the alts world. I really want to talk about where we've come from and where we're going. Looking back, what have your thoughts been on the transformation in the alt space? I, I have to just interrupt you for a second. It's been quite a year in the bracelet world as well. I see you've added to your collection here. It has. So, so I've gone to a few different football or soccer matches. So my last trips in Europe, I went to an Eintracht Frankfurt match. Nice. Uh, I will say for anyone who is into soccer and loves a fantastic atmosphere, Eintracht has an incredible fan base and a great atmosphere. And then AC Milan as well. That's great. We'll have to do a whole show on the monthly bracelet pulse. The monthly bracelet <laughs> pulse. Well, there's only so much space on the arm, but yeah. but we'll see how far we get up. Yeah, so maybe anyway. I, I'm looking forward to maybe next time seeing you have some, maybe some sports team bracelets. I think I'll be limited on that. You're but, good? Uh, what, anyway. What sports team would you have a bracelet of if you uh, had? New York Rangers, New York Giants. Those can be unfortunate bracelets to have. This is not a good year for the New York Giants. <laughs> Rangers, however, are doing quite well. Well, you did beat the Commanders twice this year. So, yes, yes. Uh, including with a guy who lives in his parents' house. Yes. Tommy DeVito. <laughs> but I'll, I'll take the lumps as a Commanders fan. There's nothing right. more I can say. Well, you're used to it after all the years of previous ownership. But, I'm uh, used to it. But now we have a private equity owner, Josh Harris from Apollo. So yep. maybe, given that we're on the theme of private equity, maybe private equity will save the day. We'll see. Hopefully. Hopefully. <laughs> so so has private equity saved the day in 2023 or will it I, in 2024? I, you know, it's interesting the way you phrase it. I think for a lot of portfolios, perhaps it has. When you look at what's happened to traditional 60-40 portfolios, certainly in prior years, the inclusion of private equity has actually really helped the portfolio broadly. This year, to, to get back to your serious question, it's been a challenging year. Certainly flows have been down quite a lot. We've seen a sort of a more risk off environment. And in that context, people have shied away from longer duration products. They've shifted into credit. Credit, as we've talked about in the past, continues to be the, the leading strategy, if you will, from a flows perspective. And I would expect that to continue for the foreseeable future. Why is that? And what do you think will make that trend persist? I think there's a se several factors. One, yield. So people are, are quite interested in yield-oriented products. In a rising rate environment, floating rate, most of these products are floating rate. And so that builds a hedge into the investment, which I think is really, really attractive for, for folks to in today's day and age. Um, with the current treasury rates, people are earning high single digits, low double digits on their credit portfolio. That's really attractive. And the duration, as I said earlier, tends to be a lot shorter relative to longer term products. And so I think right now, private credit is really enjoying its stay in the sun. Um, like everything else, there's a cycle to these things. So I would imagine that will change. And as more confidence creeps into the system and people are now starting to talk about reduction in interest rates, I think in that context, I think some of the private equity strategies and growth strategies will again become more the focus of investors. So in the private equity and venture worlds, people have started to say that 23, 24 may be great vintages because of yeah. some of the dislocations in the market. And sometimes as we think about interest rate changes, then maybe people start to shift their thinking into yeah. strategies like private equity venture. Are you starting to see that happen? And that chatter kind of 
come amongst the advisor channel? We're starting to see it happen, but it's really fairly slow at this stage. But clearly, vintages that launch in a tough market historically have done quite well. And, and that's for a lot of reasons, including the fact that the purchase prices also tend to be quite low. So there's an opportunity for people to get into these investments at perhaps a better starting place. So. We would expect the 23, and we'll see what happens with 24, but we would expect these vintages, you know, if history is any guide, to actually be quite successful for investors over the long term. On that point, those are obviously more illiquid strategies. How do you think that many in the wealth channel are thinking about the concept of liquidity or illiquidity? Has that view changed and maybe people are more comfortable with illiquidity than they have been in the past? I think liquidity has been, for many, many people, the threshold issue in terms of why they haven't allocated. There's a number of other reasons. But for some people, this asset class may never make sense for them, or certain strategies may not make sense if they're highly illiquid. I'm sort of a big believer, I may have said this in previous shows, in the Cy Sims, if you remember Cy Sims, an educated consumer is our best customer. Yeah. Man, is that true in alts. And one of the big issues to understand and get educated on is liquidity. I think for a lot of people, they are starting to get more comfortable as they understand the liquidity product to product, because the liquidity in a credit product is actually quite different than liquidity in a private equity product and a real estate product and so forth. But that, I think, continues to be a threshold issue for a lot of investors getting their head around the various liquidity constraints in these products. So that's a great segue to thinking about 2024. And we'll start in the context of education. What do you think is going to be the big topic on people's minds from an educational perspective about what to think about or learn about in the alt space coming 2024? Well, boy, I think there's still a lot of people that are in the very early stages in terms of really getting their arms around this asset class. As we think about advisors, probably 80% of the flows are still driven by 20% of the advisors. So it's still fairly concentrated. If you think about the advisor population from the perspective of a normal distribution, we're still in the very early stages of adoption. As you get into sort of the fatter part of the curve, you're needing to educate at a more fundamental level in terms of how these products works. We talked about liquidity, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of issues that people need to get their arms around. So I still think there's some really basic blocking and tapping that has to happen in the industry. One of the important things though is to understand that every advisor comes to the equation with it at a different point in their experience curve. And so the education that needs to get delivered to the industry has to be more complex in a sense that there are some people that are much more sophisticated in their analysis and you need to cater to them and other people are at an earlier stage. So you need to have a different educational approach to those people. How would you characterize the majority of the advisor population in the context of their interest in alts, whether or not they're doing it is a different question, but yeah. are many of the advisors asking to be educated on it? Yes. I remember a decade ago running around talking to advisors, trying to help explain alternatives, how they work in portfolios, et cetera. And there was clearly some interest, but that wasn't universal. <laughs> I think now there is a much higher level of interest in understanding, even if they're not ready to allocate, there's a very high level of interest in understanding this product category and how it can help their clients. And I think, frankly, that's just a function of most of the advisors we talk to want to be as great an advisor as they can to their clients. 
This is a really important asset class for them to introduce and present to their clients. But I wanna make one other comment. It kind of loops together, I think, the last couple of questions. Part of the next wave in education is gonna be less about alts specific and more about how do alts fit into a portfolio. And people needing tools to understand, okay, I'm comfortable with the liquidity, I understand how these products work, I understand capital calls, distributions, redemptions, transfers, whatever the issues are in terms of how the products work. What I really wanna understand now is, how should I think about allocating these products into my client's existing portfolio? What will the implications to the portfolio be once I add these products? So I think a lot of the next wave, and I think this is gonna be really important in 24, certainly beyond, is gonna be about how do I think about adopting the asset class and putting it into the portfolios that my clients currently have. From that point, how do you go from talk to action? What's the biggest unlock that makes advisors go from, okay, I can understand all yeah. to the context of an entire client's portfolio, I'm actually gonna allocate. I think the issue is going to be helping advisors have the set of tools and capabilities that they're used to having as it relates to the 60-40 portfolio. So we, we've talked about this on prior shows. We've just come out with a product called Architect, which is all about helping clients understand how to put alternatives into a portfolio and understanding what are the implications to that portfolio's overall goals and objectives or what happens to the portfolio relative to factors that you might be tracking with your client. And I think giving clients, advisors, the tools to actually help them be thoughtful and analytical and be able to show their clients what the implications are for these products, I think is really, really important. How do you think about the interplay of product innovation yep. versus technology innovation in the context of the point you just made? I feel like we're on this parallel path of trying to crank on both. We've always believed that one of the problems in terms of advisor adoption of alts has been relative to stocks and bonds, just harder to implement into a portfolio. There are things that you have to deal with like capital calls and distributions that you don't necessarily have to deal with in the public context. Even with registered products, and we can talk more about that, it's still a more complex asset class, relatively speaking. Getting people comfortable with that complexity is all about delivering these products on a great technology chassis. We refer to it as an operating system to run your alts business, whether you are a, a general partner distributing alts or you're a wealth manager looking to incorporate alts into a portfolio. So the operating system has to be continuing to evolve as adoption rates go up. At the same time, the types of products and how those products are structured also need to evolve. So the fin piece of the fintech equation has to evolve, particularly as advisors have really embraced alternatives for their um, accredited clients versus just their QPs. And if you look at the flows from 20 to 22, evergreen products have more than doubled in terms of the, the flows into the marketplace. And if you look at whether it's the sort of interval funds or the BDCs, both have grown really dramatically in the market because, it, and I think it answers part of your prior question, which is, are advisors really serious about this? Well, the flows would suggest that they are. Certainly the larger firms have the capabilities to do this. I'm referring to, and not an exhaustive list, but the Blackstone, the Apollos, yep. 
KKRs, et cetera, who are structuring products and have the capabilities in-house to do that, build semi-liquid products or buy or partially own insurers. That's changing now. Apollo has their own insurer, Athene, and yep. then KKR actually just bought an insurer recently as well. Aries in, has in an full, insurer. Aries has one. Yeah, so yeah. obviously the, some of the larger firms are thinking about how to structure products differently. Yep. As you go down towards the kind of middle market manager, that's not the size and has the capabilities of an Aries, Apollo, Blackstone, et cetera, are they also trying to figure out how to structure products for the wealth channel as well in a different way. Maybe they don't have the capabilities themselves. Is that something you're seeing from the GP side? A lot of interest there. Totally. So the corollary to all that we talked about on the advisor side is true on the GP side. I'll tell you, interesting, there are six GPs with more than 100 people targeted to private wealth. There's a handful of others that are between 80 and 100 and there's five or six that are more than 50. If we were having this conversation a couple of years ago, there would be one firm with more than 100 and many people, yes, many yeah. people not close. So the investment on the part of the GPs has been very substantial. And you're seeing that now, if you will, the, the tail of, is catching up. And we think that's gonna continue. Now, I don't think there are gonna be 100 firms with that many people on the distribution side. And so some of the, the middle-sized and, and smaller firms are certainly gonna look for platforms like ours to create leverage for them in terms of addressing and reaching this audience. That's why we did Marketplace, which we've talked mm -hmm. about in prior shows. Yep. But there's clearly a very big investment being made in terms of the distribution side. And by the way, when I say distribution, I also mean education. Most of these, all of these managers have invested in building out really sophisticated educational tools that, like we talked about earlier, deal with basic and fundamental concepts as well as more involved concepts. So we're seeing that investment. And then the next important piece of that is structuring products. We're seeing a lot of dynamism in the structuring activities in terms of people trying to figure out how to reach a market. And, and as we've talked about previously, this is a global market. So the structuring isn't just about how do I get to QPs and AIs in the United States, but how do I get to those investors on a global basis? So all of these firms are really investing in a more complete infrastructure to be able to deliver their products to the high net worth space. What do you think is the missing piece from a technology perspective to really take alts to the next level, connecting GPs and LPs together? I think part of it is just continuing to make it easy. For all the technical innovation, there, there are still real challenges with these products. There is an infrastructure that you have to deal with. There are transfer agents, there are custodians, there are administrators, etc. And I think it's fair to say at different levels in terms of their technology adoption, We've spent over a billion dollars, probably a billion and a quarter developing technology, but the whole ecosystem needs to be more technology forward. I think the next big thing and where we're spending an awful lot of time is on how do you create automation end to end to make the experience much more seamless. There's so many operational people and dollars being spent on reconciliation at three, four, five, six different places in the chain, that needs to go away. And I think when we get to a digital end-to-end -end experience is when you're gonna see even greater adoption because then it'll truly be very easy for all the investors who wanna be in this space. 
use the word chain, so I'm going to have to go there. <laughs> yes. And then you said a digital solution, so connecting the dots, the blockchain. Yep. JP Morgan Apollo partnered with Avalanche, which is a blockchain, to create a solution that encompasses tokenization of real-world assets. Yep. There's obviously different forms, different ways of doing this. Hamilton Lane has tokenized one of their funds. KKR has done the same. Yep. How do you think the concept of tokenization and the blockchain will feature going forward? Look, I think it's really important. I think everybody is trying things. I think it's fair to say that nothing has reached scale. Some of the funds that have been tokenized historically have literally raised low single digit numbers of dollars. So very, very small. And I think what was just announced with Apollo and JP Morgan was a proof of concept and a, and a, a very thoughtful idea around not just tokenizing private funds, but actually doing so in the context of a portfolio that can be rebalanced. So part of what they were doing is also incorporating alts into more liquid asset classes. I think that is the wave of the future. As I've said, we've spent a lot of time and we will announce something and deliver something, an MVP to the marketplace in the first half of 24, that'll be alts focused. I think you've got to sort of walk before you can run. Our view is how can we use the ledger to create, as I said earlier, a much more end-to-end -end digital process for all the constituents who participate in this ecosystem. I think once we do that, then you're going to be in a position where you can now think about that in the context of all the other assets. And, and, and this is a journey. This is not going to happen overnight. I think when you read some of the, the articles around that, I think people do acknowledge the fact that you're not going to snap your fingers and have the entirety of the marketplace automated or, or on chain, as, as you like yeah. to say. Yeah. I think this is a multi-year process. And so our focus as sort of an alt operating system is to really automate the alts piece. But as with Architect and some of the other things that we've built, we want to very quickly merge that into a greater portfolio analysis, a greater portfolio experience, which I think will bring us together with what Apollo is doing, et cetera. And this is complicated stuff. If the iCapital story has proved anything, it's that people need to work together. GPs need to work together, not against each other. The distribution platforms need to work together. And so what I'm confident of is that this industry with a lot of smart people on both the distribution side and the GP side is going to come up with a great solution, but they're going to do that if they agree to work together. Feels like there, there's somewhat of a corollary between consumer fintech where you needed a connective tissue, yep. Plaid is one example, where you're able to actually connect all the dots and then that enables money movement to from banks into digital banks uh, and other platforms or Wealthfront, things like that. Do you feel like the alt space has its connective tissue at this point where people are able to come to one place or a few places and then be able to do all sorts of things? Well, I look, not to make an utterly self-serving comment. We are trying to be that consolidator on taking a very sort of industry-wide centric view. That might be an oxymoron, an industry-wide centric view. But we're trying to create that ecosystem that's automated, that has great products, uh, great education, great processing, kind of end-to-end -end, as I described. This isn't about just one firm. It's about a lot of people coming together and recognizing that in the history of financial markets, single dealer systems haven't worked. They don't get scale. 
what gets scale is when the industry comes together. And trade so with, market. Tr trade, you go down the list, yeah. right? All the original in the internet version 1.0 back in the late 90s, yeah. the single dealer bond systems and equity systems yeah. didn't really take off until they came together. We're trying to do that for this industry. And there's still, as I've said, a lot of wood to chop, a lot of work in front of all of us. But we think that that's how the industry gets to a place it wants to be from an ease of use standpoint. So that's a great lead into 2024. What do you think is the most important thing for the industry to think about and try to solve as we continue to move towards this more global, interconnected alt system? I think it's participating exactly in what I'm talking about. Not to be afraid of like, this is different, this is new, but this is actually something that can help. And that's why I think firms are trying to tokenize. It's why they're trying to put a fund on the chain and, and see what happens. And I think really embracing technology, embracing how technology can actually help you achieve your objectives. I think that's really what the industry needs to do is to come together and continue to work together. So. Before we close, I have to ask you again, as always, what's your monthly quote? Huh. Well, I, I was thinking about this whole topic of kind of the market, the challenges. You and I both talked to a lot of folks recently who are quite worried about where the market's going to go. There's a lot of uncertainty about where the market's going to go. And, and, I, and I was reminded in, in preparing for this discussion of the probably famous and uttered in a more severe time in the world's history. Uh, but Franklin Roosevelt's quote, there's nothing to fear but fear itself. And I think with the right frame of mind and openness, there's certainly a lot to be worried about, but let's worry about the solutions and how we bring everybody forward than worrying about worrying. That's my contribution to this month's quote. I, I love it and I'm excited about what's to come in 24. It's been a great 23, ton of fun doing all of these episodes on the Alt yeah. Pulse. So thanks for coming on again. I'm Michael Sigmore here with Lawrence Calcano. Thank you.